Today on the podcast, I have Pastor Daniel Club joining me. Daniel has a book called Every Man Jack. It's all about helping men to become who they are meant to be, who God wants them to be, what God intended for a man to be. He talks about that in this book, Every Man Jack, at everymanjackbook.com. You can learn more about Daniel there. But we discuss all kinds of men's issues, a very well-rounded man with 40-plus years of ministry experience. If you are a man, if you are married to a man, if you are dating a man, I recommend that you listen to this interview and that you get this book and use it as a guide for your life. As a matter of fact, this book is a perfect resource for small group types of environments and really intentionally discipling men of various different ages. If you're a man who never really had that role model in your life and you're in your 50s, this is a book for you. If you are a young man just entering into adulthood and you're looking to understand a little bit more of what a Christian man is like and what the journey of a Christ-centered man is going to be like, this is going to be the book for you because Daniel, in essence, is mentoring you through the process of becoming a man, what a man looks like. He talks very vulnerably in this conversation today about some of the the issues and, and happenstances that occurred in his life that left him feeling very much missing an understanding of what a man really looks like in the world today. And so, friends, you're going to love this conversation I'm Eric Nordoff, and this is the Courage Cast. Here it is, Daniel Club, Every Man Jack. This is Courage Cast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. Daniel Club, welcome to the Courage Cast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I knew I liked you. From the first minute that we talked. You know why? I'm dying to find out. Because you talked German to me. Yeah, ich habe ein bisschen Deutsch gelernt. Yeah, wir sind, uh, wir haben ein bisschen Deutsch gesprochen zusammen. We talked German together and we bonded at uh, an enterprising meeting Yes, that we had, which I thought was great that you came because you are enterprising with this book. But uh, did you also have uh, a business before this, or are you pretty new to the whole entrepreneurial thing? I, I would consider myself new to the whole entrepreneurial thing. Um, I've been a pastor for 40 years, and in some ways you have to play a role when you're in front of people, but I've never been a super comfortable with self-promotion, and I'm learning how to be more effective at that. But yeah, yeah I'd say this is probably the first real enterprise for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was great that we connected there. Um, so you have a book, it's called Every Man Jack, uh, and it's the subtitle is Becoming the Man God Wants You to Be. It's a very appealing title uh, because I think there are a lot of confused men, there are a lot of confused young men, young young boys maybe that are just becoming, mm-hmm. you know, growing. And, and do you have a, a specific age group that you've, you've felt like over the years that you've really been drawn to in terms of mentoring and discipleship? 
That's a good question. I've done a lot of discipling, and I've always just been maybe a a half or two steps ahead of some of my peers. So as a youth pastor, um, I did a lot of mentoring with maybe one or two years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Then as a pastor, it was just a passion of mine to see men become everything they could become. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as the book is concerned, I'd say, and it seems like a wide range, but 18 to 50-year-olds, somewhere Mm -hmm. in that neighborhood, covering three three basic generations, you know, we've got, you know, millennials and Gen Xers and yeah. boomers of which I'm a part. Different age groups pick it up for different reasons. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. You've raised kids yourself, you and Valerie. Yes. My been... wife and I have been married 43 years. We've raised uh, two boys and one girl, one girl right in the middle. I yeah. call her the rose between the two thorns. <laughs> her older brother is four years older. Her younger brother is four years younger. And yeah. oldest and youngest son are eight years apart. So, and Nat yeah. is the youngest. And Nat is the youngest. He's our baby. Yeah. And uh, we met through our church. We go. We both go to the same church. That's right. Hope you see in Thompson Station. And uh, we connected at this enterprising meeting. And Nat is very talented musically. He uh, is. He's a worship he's, leader. He's self-taught, and he's learned a lot um, um, from just observing. Mm-hmm. And mom was the one with all the musical talent and the passion for worship. Yeah. And that's where you got it. Was it different raising your kids and mentoring and discipling your ki- your boys in particular than it is discipling men that aren't related to you? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. You have a little bit more of a... a a personal investment there. Um, you want to see them succeed. I care about all the guys I mentor, but um, I finally, over the years, have learned to say, you know, that they can take it or leave it if they want to. But yeah. the guys usually, uh, mentoring for me is typically happens when someone comes to you yeah. and asks for it, mm-hmm. as opposed to me thinking, I got to find somebody to mentor. But with my boys, it was, um, I'm going to take that on as a responsibility right. from God. And um, they're both very different personalities, both, interestingly enough, both emotional but in different ways, mm-hmm. and I tend to be more stoic, ambition Deutsch. Ambition Deutsch? Uh, yeah. uh, first, I'm going to tell you a joke. Number one. Yeah. First joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was my, yeah. My boys were very important to me to to help them become men. Yeah. And uh, they were both Did they want that? Motivated. Uh, the oldest one especially, I mean, from the beginning, he was a little warrior. Yeah. He loved uh, getting out, and he had a. As he grew older, he had a very refined sense of justice. Mm-hmm. You could tell he really wanted, you know, things to be fair. Yeah. Uh, he ended up being a youth pastor for a while and a worship leader, and then he he found his calling as a police detective. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, you go straight from that to yep, that. Yep, that's what he did, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been doing it for the last decade or so, and uh-huh. loves it. That's awesome. Um, You have to be a detective sometimes with these youth. (laughs) (laughs) I know, speaking of having boys. (laughs) Indeed. Speaking from Mom is a better detective than I am, but yeah, yeah, we've learned. Yeah, I'm I'm a way better detective than Chrissy is, very much so. (laughs) I I have a very... I know how how uh, naughty I was and how much I got away with stuff. See, I was, I was a, a nice kid. kid and very very sweet young boy, but I rebelled quietly. Yeah, you know, and quiet I, rebellion. And I never. Uh, my older sister was the loud re- rebel. Yeah. yeah, but Valerie just my wife just has this sixth sense, and uh, mm-hmm. she's taught me how to be a good parent. Moms do much typically. better. Yeah, yeah. Oh so. my gosh, my wife has definitely taught me a lot about. She's she's rounded out my my. Uh, edges, I should say, my corners, yeah. my German corners. She's definitely uh, sanded them down over time. So I get that. Thank God for wives who can do that. Absolutely. Um, 
the reason I ask that is I've got boys that are 18 and 20. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like they don't really want much advice from their dad as much well, as at I 18 would love and 20. I understand them. that. Yeah. 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 I, I'm hoping that some point they'll be coming to me. Um, but I'm more used to, I'm much more comfortable when someone comes to me mm-hmm. than I am. So I, I feel like I'm a better coach and disciple yeah. and, um, disciple or a mentor. You've got, you've got permission at that point. Yeah. Yeah. In this case with the kids, with mm-hmm. your own kids, mm-hmm. you, it's not about needing permission or wanting no. permission. Yeah. For, for a long time, I just wanted to be their friend. Yeah. And my wife said, you can't be their friends until they're adults. Yeah. And she's right, but I didn't like that. You know, <laughs> I was the nice guy and she was, she, I was the yeser. She oh. was the knower. Oh, okay. She would always say no. I would always say yes. Ooh. And we had to learn. So I got to the point where I just said, ask your mom. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that's really not a good thing to do as a man either. You got <laughs> to have a little you backbone. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have a disclaimer in one section of the book that says, I'm still in process here. <laughs> so um, let's talk about this subject of, of, of becoming the man God wants you to be. Did you pursue this? This is obviously 40 years of ministry are packed into this Condensed book Condensed into the book, yeah. Right? Yeah. So are you intentional in the way that you, when you do mentor um, men, or did you, did you have a mentor? Did someone walk you through these? Like, how did you learn these principles? Yeah. And did somebody walk I, I kind of address that in the preface and in the epilogue. Yeah. Um, I was... I grew up in a family of uh, five kids. I was the only boy, and I was the second of five kids. So in some respects, I had a little sibling rev- leverage, you yeah, know? Yeah. But um, I, uh, I did not uh, know what it meant to be a man. My dad was uh, more comfortable with women than he was with men, and more comfortable with daughters than he was with sons. And so uh, we were never really close, but um, over time, um, I learned how not to blame my dad for not giving me something he didn't have to give. Mm-hmm. You know, he never received it from his dad either. Mm-hmm. So um, I just had learned how to be a man more on my own. So yeah, I had a mentor um, who was the pastor of a, a church that I was a part of and then eventually became youth pastor at and associate pastor. Um, his name was Bob Thomas, Robert B. Thomas. Mm-hmm. He swore me to secrecy that B stood for something he didn't, he didn't want people to know. But I said, well, what is it? He goes, it's Blueford. So now, now the whole world knows. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't like it. But he was a, a real uh, surrogate father for me. Taught me how to be a better pastor. For the first five years of ministry, he was just right there for me. And then over the next 20 years, he was there as far as just being there for accountability mm-hmm. and crying on his shoulder and right. asking his advice. Um and uh, yeah, is he I learned, still alive? He is not. He's passed away about ten years ago. Mm. But I I learned a lot from him, and I, I've I've learned how to be uh, more of a man by just being around men. And um, I had to really specifically pray and ask God. I said, Lord, I want to be a better man. I want to be like you want me to be, a godly man. Mm. Um, and he uh, he brought a couple of men into my life that were both mentors and peers who really um, helped shape my thinking on this. And that's, uh, like you said, uh, these 14 chapters basically uh, turn into um, the results of my experience as a, as a pastor mm-hmm. and as a man growing. As a man, right. Yeah. yeah. Growing to be a man. So uh, where do you start? Uh, where do you start with this? Is, this? is there sort of an awareness of, hmm, I need to kind of figure out this manhood stuff? Because yeah. there's, there's been books out about manhood. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and some are very good. You know, I know I've had great impact on people like Wild at Heart mm-hmm, and Ransomed Heart mm-hmm. Ministries. Uh, so what what uh, what do you think about and when it comes to kind of beginning this process of um, becoming the man God wants you to be? Where, where do you where do you start with that? Well, I've always appreciated First uh, Corinthians chapter sixteen verses thirteen and fourteen mm-hmm. uh, in the ESV translation and the New American Standard Bible. It's basically the same, and it says, "Be on the alert or be watchful and alert. Mm-hmm. Stand firm in the faith." Act like men, mm. and then be strong, and then let let all that you do be done in love. I, I love that those two verses. They they speak a lot to me. And I know a lot of other men have used them in their men's retreats or their theme for their men's mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. but they meant a lot to me. And so I've taken those uh, two verses, and I basically have broken the book down into three parts: um, be watchful and alert, mm. be loving always, and be faithful and strong. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I started with what I felt was most important, and that is. Your private spiritual life, yeah, you know, prayer, um, learning how to study the Bible without just, um, you know, depending on other people mm-hmm. um, de- for devotional content as well as learning to, to what it, know what it says and apply it to mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Fellowship, why that's important, why it helps grow you deeper as a man. Genuine fellowship with other men, <clears throat> partnership, friendship, and then uh, inner spiritual maturity. So you break it down. By you break it down this being watchful and alert into three parts, really three subsections. Yeah, private spiritual life, which is prayer, Bible study, and felt. How is fellowship private spiritual life? I, I addressed that at the beginning. I said you you might wonder why I'm saying this at this yeah. because I think it's an intersection between your private and your public life. Okay, it says you have to have fellowship in order to grow. In, as an internally, yes, internally, we we get from each other. Iron sharpens iron. But you also have to be able to reach out and connect with other people yeah. and take the initiative. Yeah. So it's a kind of an intersection between the two, mm-hmm. private and public. Got it. And then you've got the private. You've got the the inner. Yeah, I've decided to call it inner spiritual maturity. Well, private is is for you, prayer, Bible study, fellowship, and then that intersection of the two, uh, of fellowship. But then um, character. Serving people and sharing your faith to me is um, they have to come from something from the inside. You yeah. can't just say someone's teaching me how to be a better witness or how to serve people. You have to have something from the inside that that is already established there, a reservoir of life that then mm-hmm. be, f- flows out to other people. Yeah, and that's when I talk about character is basically the fruit of the spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, serving other people, learning how to do that as a servant. Jesus, I mean, as a leader, servant mm-hmm, leader, mm-hmm, Jesus mm-hmm. referred to right. uh, that all the time. And then sharing your faith is important, too, mm-hmm. as a, a, a means of saying, I know this is real for me, now I want to share it with somebody else. Right, right. So you're teaching practical ways. I would call it practical theology in a lot yeah, of ways, yeah. Yeah, practical theology. Um, is there it's anything unique specifically about like how you might approach sharing your faith, for example? I'm just curious because because that can be done in a lot of different ways. Do you use it the can. Romans road, as they say, or is there a different I, I method? Did, I did I did succumb to tradition and put in my appendices or my first appendices. appendices in did the you book have your appendices? The, appendices, appendices yeah, I did removed? have my first one was removed. No, yeah. I still have. Uh, I put um, the four spiritual laws, mm-hmm. which yeah. is pretty practical. Yes, um, basically follows the Roman road if you want to use it, that expression. But uh, I think that being a witness for Christ is primarily um, done uh, maybe 50% with words and the other 50%, if not more, 
with your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, moving uh, from being full-time in the ministry and then working part-time at a big box store mm-hmm. uh, selling paint, mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of opportunities to live my faith without saying too many words. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been given a lot of opportunities to share who I am. Kind of, It's kind of a novelty when people say, well, what did you, what, what did you do before you retired? Mm-hmm. So, well, I was a pastor for 40 years. Oh. Mm-hmm. And some of them want to back away and others want sure. to press in Let's and ask questions. Let's not jump into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, being a witness for Christ is basically learning how to um, live what you believe in such a way that it's winsome, it draws people to him. Mm-hmm. And then you're pointing people to Jesus as often as you can, as opposed to your political point of view or your spiritual point of view or even your church. It's right. just, I want you to know Jesus like I know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's more organic than it is learned, although there are some practical steps that you can take to yeah. say, I'm I, to be prepared all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's super good. And me personally, you know, I didn't, I accepted Christ at 23 years of age. So I really had to, I came into this whole, I'd been seeking for a few years, mm-hmm. but um, I, when I accepted Christ, I was full in for you know the first five years. I really grew very quickly, but I had never felt comfortable with the cultural expectations. I quickly mm-hmm. could see that there was, because if I didn't, because I didn't grow up Christian necessarily. So I, could very yeah. quickly see the sincerity and the insincerity. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between the way people present the gospel. Yeah, uh, and I think I, I just respond to the sincerity. Yeah, I can spot the insincerity because yeah. it's cultural. So there's a cultural difference, really. That's the big difference. Right. I can't remember who said it first, but someone said that. Um, there's two reasons why people don't become believers or Christians. One is they've never met a true Christian. Or two, they met a Christian or a so-called Christian who turned them off mm-hmm. because of the way they lived. Yeah, and um, Paul addresses that in Romans chapter two. He says, "You religious people, you know, you you cause the Gentiles to be twice, you know, t- twice the children of hell you are because of the way you behave." <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, witness is is so much more important with who you are as opposed to what you say. Although there will be a time when you have to use words, and yeah. that's when you should be prepared to be able to say, "Well, this is how you come to know God." Yeah, and and you're teaching that in here as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's so good. So I think the first part is just so foundational. That's yeah. that's an ongoing. These are ongoing things that yeah. practices and disciplines and yeah um, that you can really apply in your life. Um, and then of course. Part two is is about loving. Yeah, be loving always. Becoming a godly man, a man and his wife, loving your children, and real men need friends. I so think this good. is probably the most the favorite part of the book for me. Yeah, because because I um, first of all I did not know what it meant to be a man, and I began to learn. And when I discovered some things, it was like I want to share these things with guys. I mm-hmm. want them to understand that um, you can become unconsciously competent as a man. Yes. But you have to start out being consciously incompetent. Yes. And you move from- Those four from stages, the, yeah. right? And those stages are, are very helpful. And were very helpful to me because I saw myself moving through each one of them and, yeah. and uh, it becomes more natural as you trust the Lord. But learning to love your wife, critical. I mean, Nothing first of all, better than this that. becoming a godly man, you got to learn to love yourself. Yeah, yeah. Look in the mirror and say, I like who this is. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like who this is, how can I change this? Right, 
And then learning to love your wife if you're married or in the future. You know, this is a, a book for men, as, uh, hopeful men, to, mm-hmm. as far as marriage is concerned, as well as guys who are married. Yeah. And then um, loving your children, that was fun. I loved being able to share some of the things my my oldest son especially wrote in terms of a letter to me oh, really? on my 60th birthday. Yeah, uh-huh. it was just brings tears to my eyes every time I read it. Mm. And I asked him for his permission. He said, yeah, you can use this. He's the, he's the guy who's a tough detective. So. Is that in Loving Your Children, it chapter is. 10? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good yeah. one. And then real men need friends. That was big for me too, because I did not have a lot of male friends. Um, uh, in fact, t- honestly, when I was growing up, I thought maybe um, I could lean toward becoming gay. And mm-hmm. I thought, what? Is that really true? Because I knew scripturally I wasn't comfortable with that, but it seemed like I always had a lot of gay guy friends. They would show up and want to talk gay to me. Gay guy friends, yeah. really? When I was a youth pastor, they would come oh. up, the, any kids who were struggling with homosexuality would come up and want to talk about it. Interesting. So um, Maybe they, because you seemed very uh, unjudgmental? Perhaps. I think that's part of it, because i that's not my nature to be mm-hmm. judgmental. It's mm-hmm. also not my nature to be too discerning sometimes either, <laughs> but, but that's, uh, there's a good flip side to that as well, good mm-hmm. positive and negative side to that. But uh, my my dearest friend on the planet um, is uh, 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 a homosexual who's struggling uh, with it, but says, I, I'm loving Jesus and want to do things his way and life his way. Mm. I share his story in the book. Mm. He's given me permission to do that. Hmm. And so um, I had to learn through all that to say, I don't even remember why I got to that. Oh, real men need friends. Need friends. Because in that section of chapter, uh, of the of the book, it's easy for men to feel like, I just can do this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, oh. and, and We're you know that's the old John Wayne that. syndrome, but sure. for my generation, but still, um, it's, or I it's, got this. Yeah, I got this. Myself. I can handle this. But you, you got to have friends, and yeah. um, I, I use the David and Jonathan analogy of how they became friends and how we can have a few of these heroic type friendships in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got tons of acquaintances, but we've got to get deeper in our relationships. Yeah, that's probably one of the most difficult things for me, and and it's probably the thing I probably need the most. Uh, is it's very as an only child, it's very easy for me to be alone and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I was I was alone a lot. I preferred to be alone when I was a, a kid. Yeah. So um, to to be this age, yes, I'm comfortable alone. But I I do sense a bit of loneliness mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Um, and a need for friends. And I've I've got some great men around me yeah. i meet with them every monday night uh whenever we can all Fantastic. meet in town and we just we are honest yeah. uh and yeah. uh, there's no judgment it's it's real friendship you know uh every man needs it yeah every one of us does yeah we've got to have some people that we can talk to this friend i was telling you about in the uh, that i mentioned his story in the book uh we we connect routinely he lives in another part of the country but we probably three or four times a month we'll talk. Mm-hmm. And he's never afraid to look me in the eye or at least say straight out to me, hey, mm-hmm. you're blowing smoke right now. Let's, right. let's talk. How are you really doing? Right, right. He's very, very good at that. And I appreciate it. Uh-huh. I but he's I the one you said was, he struggles with being gay or is gay? He is. He considers himself gay, mm-hmm. although he doesn't like the term gay. Okay, he says, homosexual. He says, I'm a homosexual. And he uh-huh. said, and I've, I, I realized from scripture and from my experience with Christ that that is not the lifestyle I'm, I, I'm going to pursue, mm. but I have no desire. I have same sex, attra- same sex attraction uh, oh, issues, and I do not have any desire to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he's not in a relationship no, with No, he's not in a relationship. Like okay. Nope. Nope. He's oh. chosen not to. He's, he has found himself falling into sin, so to speak, 
probably five or six times in our relationship and mm-hmm. thought I was going to disown him every time. I said, no, you're my friend, brother, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. he has been, a, he's a wonderful gifted worship leader. Oh, interesting. And um, he's, he's retired now, uh, probably close to 73 years old. Okay. But really, um, oh, that's wonderful. really walking with Jesus. He loves. And I just loved his heart. He yeah. has a tremendous influence on me in terms mm-hmm. of how to get him a little more healthy emotionally yeah. over time because he, he went, went through his major crisis in life and then realized there's some basic biblical principles here I just did not know. Right, right. And then uh, I thought I knew them. Mm-hmm. But when you go through crisis, you realize, I guess I don't know them because I'm yeah. not practicing them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, was, he and my wife were both very instrumental in helping me through it. Mm. And then be, being faithful and strong, biblical justice, biblical justice and your life decisions. Tell me about that section. There. Yeah, that was that kind of developed uh, sort of a after like the fact. Like what you stand for? Yeah. Um, I, I use the being faithful and strong, meaning being faithful to what you believe and stand strong in it, and, and especially when society says... Uh, it'd be easier to go this way mm-hmm. or another way. For example, I talk a lot in that about, first of all, what is biblical justice versus what we call social justice today? Yeah. And is there a difference? Mm-hmm. I think there is. Um, biblical justice and your life decisions. So if you believe that um, you are to live a biblically just life where you are willing to um, you know, lay your life down for other people, care about those who are less fortunate, and be uh, a godly man in that respect without the codependent side, which is the I'm of a compulsion now to go rescue everybody. That's that's unhealthy to rescue mm-hmm. everybody. Interesting. Uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that, but uh, I learned over time, especially as a pastor, when you say to one parishioner, you know what, you're right about that, and the other parishioner who thinks the opposite, you know, you're right about that. Mm. You have problems. You, I call it being a Reb Tevia Christian. You know the character? No, Reb, I've never Reb, heard Reb, that before. Reb Tevia in um, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh-uh. He was uh-uh. once having a conversation around a, I'm his, so uncivilized his, his and, milk cart, yeah. and he goes, this is from Fiddler on the Roof. And he goes, uh, one guy says something, and he goes, you know, you know something, you're right. And the other guy says the opposite. He goes, you know something, you're right too. And the guy <laughs> in the middle goes, wait a minute, he's right, he's right? How can they both be right? And he goes, you know something, you're right too. So... <laughs> As a pastor, that was my approach for the really? two, for too long. And what it, was that because it, you were people pleaser? I was a people pleaser. I, I my my drug of choice is um, uh, approval. Mm. So I have to be. I wanted to be approved all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to. And learn. that's probably from the lack of your father. Approving. Lack of uh, that. I'm sure my mother and I are very close. She mm-hmm. she was always a supporter of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my dad was more distant. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, and he just didn't know how to compliment you know yeah he felt like he was from german stock and he just said you know if i tell you you're good at something too often you're going to get a big head right so i'm not going to tell you very often mm. i once ran a race uh, in in high school i was third place out of 500 kids mm-hmm. in my freshman year wow and i thought i came home with a you thought for sure i thought came home with a this, this great you know white ribbon mm-hmm. and i showed it to my dad and his first response was hmm how come you didn't get first? <laughs> so and so sad. I had to learn to deal with that through yeah, life. That's so angry. That was just, oh man, so much anger. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can build up inside deep, deep I mean, down. I'm in my 60s now and I'm still learning how to be totally dependent on God for my uh, sense of acceptance. Approval. And, yeah. and, and he's the one, his divine knot of approval is more important than anybody else's. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's a common, th- I share that with you. Yeah. I definitely share the approval. Uh, syndrome, drug of choice. But as far as the um, biblical justice goes, I feel like we as Christians need to know the distinctions between what what passes today for justice. We call it social justice. It could be, you know, your latest political perspective or what you think you deserve or mm-hmm. whatever. 
Um, but what is biblical justice when it comes to the the mercy that we show to people without being, like I said, codependent? Okay. And then biblical justice in your life decisions. If 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 that's the case, then what's your cause? What are you finding God speaking to your heart about? Mm. Um, many men are not in touch with that, yeah. I, including myself. Yeah. It's a hard thing. It is. Uh, we're not naturally nurturing as men. Yeah, uh, we're usually not available. Mm-hmm. We were. That's easier for us. Mm-hmm. And then this biblical justice in the marketplace. I do delve into meddling. You know, as the saying goes, you've gone from preaching to meddling. You know, meddling. Well, yeah, meddling meaning getting in people's business. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Good Southern oh. expression. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I'm not Southern. So, are you from Munich? <laughs> southern German? No, you're from Frankfurt, weren't <laughs> no, you? No, Frankfurt. Yes, that's the Northern Germans. Yeah. Well, we forgive you for that. Yeah. But the biblical justice idea of how do you live this out with your money mm-hmm. and your lifestyle, where your investments go, uh-huh. um, how you spend your retirement, mm-hmm. how you spend your money in retirement. Um, and that's critical. So, I yeah, a bit about I mean, that. this is this is a well-rounded approach to um, to manhood, to developing your manhood. And this is not Thank just you. a one-time thing, right? No, it's not. So, do you go out and speak? Are you? Uh, I, I am available for that. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. it's been. Um, Five years almost that mm-hmm. we've re- I've retired from ministry full time, and yeah. you know preached over eight or nine hundred sermons in that period of time, and so I've been used to it. But um, it's just like getting on a horse and getting back, on, you know, getting getting falling off a horse and getting back on again. Yeah. So yeah, totally available for speaking engagements. Um, primarily, I like to speak to men, but you know, I could I could do a, a one off thing on a Sunday morning or a, mm-hmm. a retreat or yeah. a Saturday thing, whatever. I think you spoke at church. One Sunday, but I missed it. I think right. Uh, well, I was asked to just lead communion once. Oh, you led yeah. communion. Yeah. yeah, that was a, a real simple thing, and we had mm-hmm. we had a, a real good time. It was Christmas Eve. Yeah, at that time. Yeah. So yeah, that's so. So you're you're gonna definitely be doing available. A lot more right. of that definitely yeah. available for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we're going to talk off off uh, air, as they say, or not even as they <laughs> yeah. say. We'll, we'll when we stop recording, we'll uh, we'll talk a little more about that, yeah. but. Um, Let me add one thing before I forget. If anybody's wondering why I named the book Everybody yeah, Jack. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, it's it's a, a slang expression today in the Urban Dictionary. It's defined as a well-loved man, invariably trustworthy, the first person you would talk to about anything. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why not? Um, that's the kind of person I want to be. It also means kind, compassionate, caring, insightful, honest, and well-intended. Yeah. So those are the kinds of qualities I'd like to see in my life and mm-hmm. I encourage every man to strive toward. So it's really just um it's a goal and it's a vision for the kind of man that you yourself want to be. If, it you, is. if you're a man listening to this, you you kind of want to be the everyman jack. Um and it doesn't mean what doesn't it mean? What doesn't it mean? It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect by any mm-hmm. means. Sure. It it means that you're striving. I think we're always in the process of becoming more and more like our Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says that we have been predestined uh, by God, by Christ. So if we've been pre- predestined, I'm not talking about the idea of some are going to make it and some are not going to make it, but right. that he's it's predestined a- us to become conformed mm-hmm. into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it's about. It's the process of doing that, of letting yeah. God do that in your yeah. life. It's good. No, that's good. Um, I would also say, um, I would guess that... Um, Every man, Jack, is not someone that's uh, the typical American notion. I think we tend to Americanize a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Um, as a somebody who grew up in a very German culture, I don't relate to a lot of the cultural American men. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily 
need to shoot guns. I don't necessarily need to hunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really relate to um, needing to uh, drink a lot, you know, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or I don't know, but I love sports. I yep. love sports. I love football, love um, all kinds of sports. So there, there's definitely some of those things, yep. but um, I don't think it means that, although it's a very no. masculine looking cover. No, it, it doesn't have to mean that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are various um, expressions of manhood um, all within the uh, parameters of, of the truth that we find in the scripture. Yeah. So you don't have to be a particular uh, type of man <clears throat> to be a, a jack. Um, Daniel Club, Pastor Club, I guess I could call him. Thank you. Yeah, I still am. Yeah, still are. Um, Thank you for spending time with me today. It's been a pleasure. uh, Giving us just a little introduction to this book, EverymanJack, EverymanJack.com. That's correct. EverymanJackBook.com. EverymanJackBook.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to the book, and uh, we'll talk uh, about doing some other things together maybe, um, and um, just giving you some uh some more thoughts about what what you're going to be doing in the future in terms awesome of thank thinking. you so much eric thank you for listening to this episode of the courage cast i want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life you can do that very simply by visiting courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge that's courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge